Welcome back to the Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali, Matt Marchese with you on this Week 11, post-Week 11, Waiver Wire edition of the show. This is the podcast-only version, so please leave a rating, a like, a subscribe, a review. It's all great for us here on the podcast version of the Fantasy Show. Uh, Matt, before we get to our Waiver Wire pickups, I did want to get to a couple of pieces of news with you. And uh, I guess let's start with the Detroit Lions. As Dan Campbell, I guess this was yesterday or earlier today, and of course uh, the Lions have now won three straight games beating the New York Giants. So there actually was someone on the text line on Sunday who asked us about, hey, how do you feel about the Giants as a survivor pool pick over the Lions? And I did text the guy back to say, please get in touch with George Rustic. But I also did say uh, I didn't love the Li- the Giants this week. So I hope he, he, he did mention that there was like $86,000 on the line or something like that. So I'm hoping uh, the guy did not pick the Giants. Let's put it that way. As, as I would, a survivor I would have lost I would have lost him money. How about that? Because <laughs> yes. I actually like the Giants at home with the points. They were minus three. I thought that that was a lock. Ooh. I even bet on it as a lock. And guess oh. what? I lost money. So I wish <laughs> I had heard what you had said because maybe you could have convinced me. Oh, yeah, the the oof boy, the Giants. They it, that was a that's a letdown game. Like, I don't know if you want to call it like a scheduled loss by any means, but man, like Daniel Jones scoring a touchdown, not Saquon Barkley. Barkley just looking certainly not pedestrian, but looking not quite as electric as he had at the beginning of the season. And then you got the Lions pounding things with Jamal Williams. Boy, Jamal Williams, like they. This this piece of news has to do with Jamison Williams, but I just I can't help but think that whenever Jamison Williams does come back, and that's kind of what they were talking about that he is going to be returning to the offense. Like that window for him to return has been has been open, so maybe he gets activated in the not too distant future. Of course, tearing the ACL in uh, in the national championship loss for Alabama to Georgia earlier in January earlier this year, but uh, it just I just feels like no matter how this offense works, Matt. That what'll happen is whether it's Amon Ross A. Brown, whether it's uh, uh, DeAndre Swift or Jamison Williams himself, what'll happen is they'll catch the ball at like the five yard line, and then Jamal Williams will be given like it's a million carries inside the five to push that ball across the goal line. It's insane. Like I mean, we you know we've talked about our zero RB strategy. We talked about a lot of things when we do this show, and I I mean listen, Jamal Williams last year with DeAndre Swift was still fantasy viable, generally speaking, because he punched in touchdowns. This usage at this point is mind-bending. Like, I am absolutely stunned. Like, I know I know DeAndre Swift ran another one in, and that seems to be the ongoing theme. Like, he's going to get four touches, but he's probably going to score a touchdown, which we yeah. talked about his efficiency. <laughs> but Jamal Williams just keep... What does he have, like 11 touchdowns? Yeah, it's absurd. I think he leads the league in touchdowns. And it's like... This is something that nobody could have expected, but clearly the offensive coordinator loves Jamal Williams inside the five-yard line. I don't think he's super efficient inside the five-yard line, but he gets it done when he needs to. Even if you have to give him three carries to get it, he seems to still get it. Um, But man, has he ever been, you know, one of those late round running backs that has really turned out himself, uh, Miles Sanders, Ramondre Stevenson, mm, yeah. um, like we can we can go down the list. Rashad White could end up being one of those guys, and 
I, I feel Tony Pollard would be another one. Like, I feel like I'm starting to buy into this, what I thought was a stupid strategy. Um, but I'm starting to buy into it right now. Yeah, he has been, like you said, not super efficient, but he just bludgeons guys down at the five yard line and they give him every opportunity to do so. He, it's kind of like, like, it kind of reminds me of James Conner of last year because yes. it, it, I kind of like, I feel like every single week I said, ah, this is going to be the week James Conner doesn't score multiple TDs. And that week just like never really came. He just finished the year as a top like three running back or a top five running back. And I, I don't know if Jamal Williams is going to finish as a top three running back, but Boy, he's gonna. If he keeps scoring touchdowns, he will come uh, dangerously close. But yeah, Jameson Williams, his speed on the field, and uh, Dan Campbell saying he's got it. Whatever it is, I guess it is speed in this case. But uh, Jameson Williams, the the window to return to practice opened this week, so maybe that'll help out Jamal Williams when it comes to spreading the field open for not having guys uh, stacking the box. Maybe it'll, it will help out DeAndre Swift. I'm sure it will just be a big boost to that offense, but. Uh, I, I know Jameson Williams is one of those guys we talked about when it comes to waiver wire pickups that you could maybe stash in the in the kind of like the IR spot and when he gets activated he drops someone else or you're getting to see how he performs depending on your league IR rules. But that was one thing I wanted to get to with you. The other thing was mainly because you are the president of the Justin Fields fan club, Matt. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is from Matt Eberflus. He had said Justin Fields is quote unquote day to day, but would not rule out the possibility of his injury being season ending and now i uh i don't know if matt eberflus knows what day to day means but i i gotta imagine it does not mean like november 27th to september 9th of next year that i mean those are two days yes but uh in theory day to day means one day to another and not he's either gonna play next week or he's done for the entire season you know what he did he took like the date range finder like when you're looking up bank (laughs) statements and you're like okay this is the date range so from this date to this day technically it's still day to day but it's just a long day to day period so what this screams to me is if the injury is even considered like if we were to rate it um small medium large in terms of severity if it's medium he sits the rest of the year because they've seen what they needed to see he's he's clearly the quarterback of the future there and if they can get a better draft pick and they can you know draft somebody on the offensive line god knows they need that kind of help then maybe that's what they're looking at because they're not making the playoffs. Is it like, I get you want to, and this speaks to last year when Andy Dalton was starting games over Justin Fields, but is there maybe a situation where they look at it and go, the the risk of injury and maybe long-term injury is, it, it's worse than the, the risk of not developing him playing, you know, not meaningful snaps the rest of the way. And even though I think every snap for a quarterback that young is meaningful, if the if it doesn't balance out, then I can see why they might sit him the rest of the year. It also looks to me that if they do that, that they are tanking for the best possible draft pick that they can get. Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. I mean, look, I def- definitely the Bears, the new Bears re- regime definitely looks better than the old Bears regime. Not that that was super hard to do so, but uh, Justin Fields has looked so good over the last three games, and it ju- it's just like there were some there were some moments in the in this past week where I thought to myself, like, what are they doing? Like he was clearly ailing, 
and like the next play would be another a designed QB run, and it's like, yeah, okay, mind you, like, what's going on? Yeah, like what's what what's going on with the play the play calling here? Like the guys clearly hurt. Hand the ball off to of all people, David Montgomery, who is clearly very talented and can run the ball well. So I just I I do hope it's nothing serious. What what do you think the chances of Justin Fields playing? on uh, this coming November 27th, this coming Sunday? What do you think the chances of him playing this week are? I don't think it's very good. I th- I, I think that I if he plays, it'll be in a week or two. I don't think that, well, I guess it wouldn't be technically a week. It'd be probably two weeks. That's, that's my guess. I believe the Bears have a week 14 bye. I mean, if they're going to sit him out until the bye, you might as well sit him out the rest of the year. Yeah, at that yeah. point, you've punted on your season. Who's the backup again in Chicago? I think, I think it's Trevor Simeon. I think Ooh, Simeon is the backup. <laughs> Never thought you'd see him again, eh? <laughs> there oh, you no, go. I, actually, he's like a cockroach. You can't kill him. <laughs> like, the, the world is going to end, and Trevor still, Simeon will still be throwing Look, Denver, the Denver ball. Denver wishes Den- Trevor Simeon still played for them, okay? They, 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 they wish they for the suck. days Simeon played for the Denver Broncos. Dude, like, we had this conversation on Sunday, and I said – quote-unquote, this should be a good game for Mm. Russell Wilson. Mm -mm. And it was horrible again against a horrible defense. I I think that we are, first of all, Russell Wilson stole money from the Denver Broncos and the Walton family. I mean, the Walton family has more money than God himself. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's a $240 million chump change. And it's not $240 million guaranteed, but Russell Wilson has absolutely stolen money from the Denver Broncos because he's horrible right now. Like he yeah. got out, he got outdone by a, an awful Raiders defense that had been hemorrhaging points all over the place and giving up leads and all this stuff, and and yet Russell Wilson still sucked. This makes no sense. I he's just he's done. He's absolutely done. And uh, on the other side of that matchup, Derek Carr carving the Broncos defense for I, I believe over 300 yards and a couple of tutties to none other than uh, Devontae Adams, who was Didn't have that on my bingo card, yeah, I'll tell right? you that. Oh, boy. Uh, you know we what's talked funny? about we talked not about... starting him, right? Yeah, like, yeah, we did. Because the Broncos defense have been so good. We I... Listen, for everybody listening, yes, we get some things wrong. And if anybody had Derek Carr as a top five or seven quarterback in their rankings, I call them a liar. I will say this, Matt. I did start Derek Carr this past week, but it was literally out of necessity because Geno Smith was on his bye. So I thought to myself, do I drop someone or do I like to play Colt McCoy, let's say, or do I play Derek Carr? And I just decided not to, I decided to just not drop someone. The funny thing is, the guy I was going to drop would have been Joshua Palmer. Like, Palmer would have been the guy I was going to drop because the bench was pretty full. I had some other guys on buys that I couldn't drop anyways. So I was like, okay, well, you know what? Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, they're coming back. Palmer's probably the guy. You know, Captain Canada, I, I wish I didn't have to, but I was going to drop him. And last second, decided not to, played Derek Carr. So it actually worked out for me in, the, in, a, in two ways. Derek Carr played pretty well, secured me a win, and uh, Joshua Palmer has uh, now suddenly become fantasy relevant again after Mike Williams injured himself once again, like re-aggravating the high ankle sprain like three plays into that game. Yeah, it, somebody said, and there and there goes Mike Williams with his typical one catch for 15 yards and out of the game. <laughs> yeah. um, before, before we get to the waiver wire, there was one more uh, injury note. It yeah. does look like Kyle Pitts is going to be shut down for the year. And can I say... It, like, I never want to see a player get hurt, especially a player that good. But we've all been kind of put out of our misery now. Oh, yeah. 
Like, I feel so bad for Kyle Pitts because not only is his coach a jackass, but then he gets hurt. So it's like a combination of just horrible things. Like, just sit this guy for the rest of the year, get him a real quarterback next year, and and let him ball out because this is this is silly. And again, a shame that he got hurt, but in a way, he's kind of got to be breathing a breath of fresh air too. Like, yes, I got hurt, but my God, I just go out there and get cardio every week because they're not and block. We can't forget about Kyle Pitts yes. blocking yes. when they need yards. There's nothing nothing better to see. Um, and I say that very tongue, a tongue firmly planted in cheek. Um, but yeah, like just another not great injury for a star player that you really hope to see take the next step. I do expect him to be ready to go for next year and, and much better because I do believe that they will get a quarterback. I would hope. Um, and so, yeah, just a, just terrible news for Kyle Pitts. Yeah, this is, I, I will say it does to me reek somewhat of all right this team has been relatively ineffective despite being five and six they're they've been relatively ineffective so shut him down maybe he's a little dinged up but enough to justify shutting him down for the year and like you say he'll come back and have a you, you would imagine if not a star quarterback a better quarterback in 2023 and again the bar is is pretty much on the ground for that right so i would imagine whoever is qb uh, one for the Atlanta Falcons next season, whether it's a rookie or whether it's like Jimmy G or something or someone like that, then I uh, I can't imagine it's going to be too much worse for Kyle Pitts. I don't know if I'm going to rank him number one as a number one TE again, <laughs> as I did this year, next year. But uh, yeah, he, he's definitely going to look better for Kyle Pitts in 2023. Okay, let's get to the uh, waiver wires. And uh, you know what? We'll just start right away with Donovan Peoples-Jones <laughs> because like why, why it had why to not? happen yeah it had like, to we, happen we have to I think at this point 45 percent rostered so still sub 50 percent rostered for the third straight week I just look it's week 12 coming up and after week 12 in week 13 I believe that means Deshaun Watson will be able will be eligible to be playing so you, you just at this point, even if he doesn't play, even if Watson starts and is awful, and they do eventually go back to Brissett, or you know, Brissett is is fantasy relevant, and he, he was very fantasy relevant against the Bills this past week. You want Donovan Peoples Jones at this point? I know people kind of get scared away because it's a run heavy offense, but this is also a team that has a defense that is not good enough to keep the, to keep them in games. So I think you will want a part of the passing offense not named. Amari Cooper and David Njoku clearly not 100% yet, even though he did play. So maybe you do want DPJ at this point. And we've been saying it for a couple weeks. <laughs> oh, this is the third straight week that he's made this list. So we're so he's now at seven straight weeks of four catches for 50 yards at minimum. So his his floor right now in full PPR is nine points. And he has a couple of touchdowns sprinkled in there. Uh, 661 and one against the Bills. He's been a top 30 wide receiver since week four. How How is the roster ship this low? I know that the touchdowns haven't been there, but this is a player that has been uber productive this season. And he just, I mean, the Bills secondary is so banged up. They're not very good right now. And the Browns kind of had their way with them. The Bills, in my opinion, were fortunate to get out of there with a the win because they were pretty horrible but i don't know how you don't roster donovan people's jones at this point show if he is on this week next week then i don't know what to tell people anymore because clearly they're not <laughs> listening to the advice that we're giving them and we've been telling you about this guy for three weeks 
the six catches for 61 yards and a touchdown is coming off of a week where he had nine catches for 99 yards. So I don't know. Some Somebody tell me where we've gone wrong here because we keep telling you about him. Pick up Donovan Peoples-Jones. Please do yourself a favor. Yeah, you got it. At this point, he has to be rostered. Um, even in even in leagues that aren't super deep, there's, there are must-be guys on your bench you can drop for Donovan Peoples-Jones because he is he, he's approaching the every-week flex category now. And at sure this point in the season, going into Week 12, the fantasy playoffs right around the corner for a lot of leagues in a couple of weeks or you know maybe sooner for some. But you you want this guy on your roster for sure. Uh, let's get to I, the I would other. Make, I would make the argument that he's not even in the flex conversation. He's in the back end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three conversation sure. at this point. I get behind that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I mean that's something that you take considering he's free essentially, right? Like beyond, yeah. like you didn't spend any draft picks on this guy. Given that he is free in that sense, then you want him because. You're not like the the opportunity cost is like incredibly low, and if you get him and he stinks, then you cut him for someone else, right? Like that's the kind of waiver wire uh, roulette carousel that you kind of play at this time of year. That you're playing all year, but that you definitely play this time of year a little more carefully. And if you can get DPJ, then I, I definitely think you should. Uh, the other wide receiver on this list, Traylon Burks, of course, the Tennessee Titans rookie, uh, rostered in 20% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, Burks played on Thursday night, so it might be easy to forget this one, but Burks, seven catches for 111 yards, and uh, Ryan Tannehill threw the ball 27 times, so still not like a startling amount of pass attempts by Tanny, but uh, 333 yards from Ryan Tannehill, obviously kept efficient by the fact that Derrick Henry continues to run the ball very well, and Tannehill is healthy, Burks seems to be healthy. And they, you clearly knew at the beginning of the season, given his draft capital, that Burks was going to be worked into the Tennessee game plan as much as possible. It's just he kind of got his season a little derailed because of injury. Well, now that he's healthy, now that Tannehill's healthy, and they're going to use him a little more, I, I would think, Matt, they're going to use him as much as possible, if only to take the load off of Derrick Henry a little bit here. For sure. And, and the only drawback with Traylon Burks really is that the offense revolves around Derrick Henry. And right, that, that's right. really the only drawback, because clearly the talent's there. But this is a theme that we've seen. We saw it last year with the emergence of look at look at how Jamar Chase started the year. It was a little slow the first three or four games. Remember there was talk in the in the preseason about how he can't see the ball and he can't catch it, and then the guy finishes with like fifteen hundred yards. Like there is an adjustment period here for rookies, and for Traylon Burks, it's happening even later because he was hurt and he had a stint on the IR, and now he's he's worked his way back into the lineup. And his first game back, like you mentioned, seven catches, 111 yards. Like that's a that target share alone is something that that you really like to see. It's something that is a constant in the NFL. We see rookies start; they take a little bit of time. Look at Rashad White in Tampa Bay. There's another rookie on the list that we're going to talk about that we're, we'll get into. I won't give his name away right now, but we will get into it. It's a running back. But you see it, the rookies, sometimes they just take a little... Christian Watson, who was on this list last week, has five touchdowns his last two games. Sometimes it's health, and sometimes it's just they need to learn how to be an NFL player. And with Traylon Burks, I think that he's going to end up being a player that you could probably slot in as a wide receiver three the rest of the way. And rostered in only 20% of Yahoo leagues, that's a pretty good bet. Let's get to the uh, the other two. I'll save the rookie for the end. Then we'll save him for the very end. Nice, but I like it. That's a tease. <laughs> let, let's get to the uh, the tight end on this list. We got let's see. We got two wide receivers. 
We had two running backs and a tight end. So let's get to the tight end, mainly because, as you know, I like to say, Matt, the uh, w- the tight end landscape is pretty much a wasteland uh, on a week to week to week to week basis. And any like, if you can eke out any little bit of value from the tight end position, I think you pretty much have to do it. You like you pretty much have to because, as we saw on Sunday night, having a a, a, a reliable tight end means so much to your offense. Both, and I, I say that for both teams on Sunday night. I mean Travis Kelsey with a a hat trick of TDs, including the game winner, and Gerald Everett not playing a snap because he was out because he's been injured, and without more reliable options, Justin Herbert certainly hasn't been bad but you I think you drafted him to be more than just okay so ultimately I think it's again it's not his fault weapons being injured and so on it happens but I just I think quality tight ends help out your offense in so many different ways I mean look at Monday night's game with uh, George Kittle absolutely torching the cards and we know the cards are terrible against <laughs> tight ends but still but death taxes and the Cardinals giving up touchdowns to <laughs> tight ends Oh boy, it just it's like you want a quality tight end, but not everyone can have a Travis Kelsey or a Mark Andrews or a or George Kittle, let's say, right? So Juwan Johnson for the New Orleans Saints rostered in just thirty one percent of Yahoo leagues. And I know people will say, okay, well what about Taysom Hill? And that's that's not entirely incorrect, but they have been using Juwan Johnson and he clearly has some kind of rapport more in, in a more than just gimmicky way than Taysom Hill is used because he throws the ball, he runs the ball. Um, he, he he catches it as well, but Juwan Johnson is used more like a traditional tight end, and he clearly has some kind of rapport with Andy Dalton. Yeah, he does, and he's got five touchdowns in his last five games. He also has at least 42 receiving yards in his last three games. It is a little bit volatile, and I'm not saying that he's going to score a touchdown every week, but this is this is getting to a point where you have to you have to at least consider playing him every week. Like, if you don't... If you don't have, you mentioned those guys. If you, you know, if you lost Zach Ertz, if you were counting on Zach Ertz, or if you're playing maybe a, an Evan Ingram every week, or you're playing, I don't know, insert, you know, if you had Kyle Pitts and and he wasn't producing, and you picked up Juwan Johnson, or you can pick up Juwan Johnson, it's a nice little filler. Like he's he surpassed Greg Dulcich on my list of tight ends that I would start every week. Like it, it's kind of a short list to this point. Like you look at your you know, outside of the guys that we talk about all the time, you know, the, the the Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle, Dalton Schultz, like those types of guys, you look at, you know, a Pat Fryermuth, you look at a Cole Komet, you look at a Jawan Johnson, like he's in that category. So that's a player that, and especially no Michael Thomas, we already know that he's done for the year. Jarvis Landry really hasn't fit in as well as I thought he was going to in this offense. And Chris Olave is really the only other guy that you have to worry about. And let's face it, the Saints have to throw the ball a lot. I know Alvin Kamara is in that conversation as well. But when they get into the red zone, the big target is Jawan Johnson. And he's made the most of it, like I mentioned, with five touchdowns in his last five games. Yeah, Jawan Johnson is clearly, I mean, I I don't know what's going on in New Orleans long term, that's for sure. But I do know that for now, at the, at the very least, as long as Andy Dalton is the QB, then... Juwan Johnson is going to be a part of that game plan. And again, anytime you can find value in the tight end position, then I think you go out and you grab it. Uh, let's go to the our, our two running backs here. And I, I hope this is not like an all guy or all jeer situation, but I always feel like I'm, I'm, about, I'm on the verge of the precipice of mispronouncing his name. But Cincinnati Bengals running back Samaje Pirine. Who and I, I think it. I think I think I think I, I think I think I did pretty well with that one. Uh, rostered in nine percent of Yahoo leagues, 
Boy, the dichotomy of fantasy football, Matt. Joe Mixon with like five touchdowns the last time out for him. Next time out, Mixon has seven rushes for 20 yards. He has three receptions for 42 yards. P. Ryan has 11 rushes for 30 yards, so not not great. But he also has four receptions for 52 yards and three touchdowns. So uh, I'm I'm sure. Like I don't know what the percentage is of people who actually started P. Ryan in a, in a, in week 10, but or pardon me, in week 11, but uh, I can't imagine it was super high. Well, based on his 9% roster ship, I would almost guarantee it wasn't super high, unless you were, like, <laughs> hammered by bye weeks. So Joe Mixon left the game with a head injury, and that's why Samaj P. Ryan is on this list. Like, if he misses any time, Samaj P. Ryan walks into work. He had 50, he, 15 touches. So if you can get 15 touches in a high-powered offense, you take that every day of the week not even a question is he gonna score three touchdowns every week no he's not but he could score one so if he's getting 15 touches and even if he's turning you know like he did this week 15 touches into 80 yards and a touchdown yeah i think i'll take that as you know an rb2 flex play because at that point you're probably i would hope that samaj p ryan is a luxury unless you have joe mixon and needed to pick him up but if you lock him into that, the way that the Bengals offense is going right now, you could do a lot worse than some Ajay P. Ryan at this point. Yeah, I, I think so too. You did, we, we say this a lot that you want you want pieces of potent offenses, and P. Ryan obviously is used in the passing game more, like more than most running backs, or, or maybe I should rephrase, more than Mixon had been at the very least, right? And I think if that continues to be the case and Mixon does miss any time, then yeah, you want a piece of that Bengals offense because... We talk about the difference between we talk about the difference between the, the 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 top QBs and like even like QBs six to ten and the difference is pretty stark this year. I would put Burrow right at the edge of that top tier and he's throwing passes to basically everyone at this point. And if you if Pirine is one of those guys, you want a piece of that offense. Um, our last player here on the waiver wire pickups, uh, your guy from the Buffalo Bills. We teased it earlier. The rookie running back James Cook rostered in seventeen percent of yahoo leagues did you see did you see something in particular against the browns in detroit of all places that made you uh, made you run to go pick up james cook uh, later later on this week well i'm not i'm the sucker that's kept james cook on like every roster that i have <laughs> because that's who i am i i touted james cook earlier in the year as a player that could end up taking over from devin singletary now here's the main reason why firstly he had the same amount of rushing yards as Devin Singletary did on five less rushes he had two targets as well so he finished with 11 carries for 86 yards first of all that's pretty good secondly I hate to say this but I do believe there's something wrong with Josh Allen's elbow I think that it absolutely has affected him there was a pass that he tried to make into the flat to Isaiah McKenzie and immediately when I saw it I thought there's an issue here and my brother texted me right after the throw and said something he's he still got an issue with that elbow I think this is going to be something that lingers the rest of the season I I'm not saying that Josh Allen is going to be suddenly become a QB2 but there is some concern there which is why the Bills ran the ball over 25 times and I think that James Cook is going to fit that role I know you made the joke that I was trying to make Naheem Hines happen, and I'm still trying to figure out why they acquired him if he's just going to return punts. Granted, he's really good at doing that and kick returns, but I don't know. I don't understand the, the logic. However, James Cook does look like he's going to get some run here. 
will he take over completely for Devin Singletary? I don't think so. And is the Browns defense, the run defense especially, really bad? Yes, absolutely it is. But the fact that Josh Allen, I don't think Josh Allen's going to be throwing the ball 42 times every week. I really don't see it. So with that being said, I think you want a piece of that backfield because of the way that they use the running backs, because they have tried to get them involved in the passing game a little bit more. And of the, the two between Singletary and Cook, Cook is the better receiver. If he can pass block, then he's going to be in a good position to, to succeed. If he's going to get 10 touches a week, I like his opportunity share with 10 touches a week. I think that's very good. And again, with all these with injuries and bye weeks that still have to happen, I think you can you can do really well with James Cook. I said he could end up taking over the backfield, and that's still on the table here. Yeah, I de- I, it definitely is possible. And I think, again, much like the same conversation we had when it came comes to Pirine, Again, you want parts of good offenses, and again, the like, whoever ends up being the guy running the ball for Buffalo will probably become pretty valuable, and it's not guaranteed it's going to be Devlin Singletary, for example. So I am I am curious to see what what happens with the Buffalo running game going forward, and you got to think, like you said, Matt, if things are going not so well for Josh Allen's elbow, then you definitely want a part of that run game because they're going to need to help out old Josh in some way, shape, or form. Uh, speaking of the Bills, I, before we get out of here, I just wanted to do a very quick, because we're, we're not like, on again until uh, until Sunday, so I did want to get very briefly to the Thanksgiving games. And, of course, we talked a little bit about the Lions earlier. We're just talking about the Bills now. The Bills and Lions are playing at Ford Field on Thursday. That's the 1230 game. It's the first game of the week uh, on American Thanksgiving, which is in just in a couple days. The Giants are taking on the Cowboys at 430 p.m. Eastern, and then the Patriots are playing in Minnesota. They're taking on the Vikings, who just got waxed by Dem Boys uh, by a massive margin. That That's the 20 game. It's the primetime game on NBC. Uh, real quick, for the Buffalo Bills and Detroit Lions start sits. I mean, look, you're always going to start Stephon Diggs. I think you yep. pretty much are at the point now where you can never not start Diggs. Where like where are you at on Gabe Davis? Like where where do, what do you do when it comes to Gabe Davis? Because I feel like it's he's uh, he's not exactly like Mike Williams. He's a little more consistent than Mike Williams, but he also is more boomer bust than I think like most people would care to uh, care to believe, care to buy into. Well, the thing with Gabe Davis is, and we talked about it. Um two weeks ago we talked about it this past week it was about getting him more involved in the offense and it can't just be hey let's throw the ball only to Stefan Diggs so uh, last week he had or the previous week he had six catches for 93 yards and a touchdown Um, that was on 10 targets this past week he had five receptions for 68 yards on seven targets so he's involved in the offense. I, I think he's in that wide receiver three conversation, but he's got like big time, big time boom potential, right? Because he, we saw it in the game against Pittsburgh. He's got, he caught a 93 yard touchdown or night, yeah, whatever yeah. it was, 99 yard touchdown, whatever the case may be. That's the big playability he has. Again, my only concern is how much of the deep ball are they going to use if Josh Allen's elbow is not at 100%. And that's part of the concern. So that's why I have him more in the wide receiver three conversation than I do in the wide receiver two conversation. But against the Lions, I know their defense has played better, but I don't know. Are we really, is the Giants offense really that good? No, it's not anywhere near Buffalo's. They played Green Bay before that. Is Green Bay's offense very good? Not really. Uh, and then there was a, whoever they, the, the team they beat, um, 
two weeks ago. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on who that is. But the point being is that the Bills have a really good matchup this Thursday, and they should be fine. The Bears was the other team. So the Bears' offense is is better, but the Lions also gave up 30 points in that game. So there's room for, for a big Gabe Davis week. And I mean, Gabe Davis, you know what he does really well, show? He catches touchdowns. So there's always a chance with Josh Allen as the quarterback that that happens. Are you starting? We we had said people we had said to people that Jamal Williams and both DeAndre Swift uh, were 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 both potentially playable, and they were this past week. Is that still the case against the Bills defense? Well, the Bills defense is so banged up. I mean, they they shut down Nick Chubb. That is the one thing that they did really well. Like Nick Chubb had less than two and a half yards of carry, I think. Um, the what the Bills haven't had a lot of success against lately is against. Uh, pass catching running backs so I think that's where DeAndre Swift comes in but I don't know you try and tell me how the hell they're going to use him this week they're going to give him five touches again at one point Jamal Williams had more touchdowns than than actually I believe it finished that way Jamal Williams had as many touchdowns as DeAndre Swift had rushes that's That's problematic that's problematic (laughs) so at this point I think DeAndre Swift is a boomer bust flex play. And I think that Jamal Williams against the Bills is probably like a middle of the pack RB2, but he's got massive touchdown upside. So like Jamal Williams could have, you know, 15 carries for 50 yards, but he has two scores. That's very, very possible. So, I mean, it, it does feel like a game that Detroit's probably going to have to throw to stay in it. And I thought we said that about the Giants game too, but that didn't come to fruition. Um, but this is going to be a different game. The Bills are just a better team than the Giants. I'm pretty assured in that statement. So, yeah, I think I think that's how I would roll. RB2 for Jamal Williams, which you're probably playing him at that anyway with the RB1 upside, and DeAndre Swift is a flex play. Uh, Giants and Cowboys. Speaking of those Giants, is the is the midday game, uh, and or the, the the middling game of that of that Thanksgiving slate at the very least. And Wandale Robinson is done for the year. He tore his ACL. He's out for the rest shame. of the season. Yeah, shame. it's a real shame. He's a he's a talented athlete. Promising rookie season uh, cut short. So we wish uh, Wandale certainly all the best for 2023. Uh, but it does mean that there is a vacancy of targets there, and I. Okay, look, I would imagine this means they just go back to running the ball a whole hell of a lot. Uh, I guess there is room for another, maybe it's Daniel Bellinger to emerge, let's say. But I, I do wonder, Darius Slayton suddenly, and we ta- I think we talked about him last week in the waiver wires. I, I just, I can't help but think that Slayton might be the primary beneficiary because he's already the WR1, or at the very least like a 1A, 1B situation with Robinson prior to the injury. And he is probably the most obvious guy to pick up some more targets. The only problem is the Giants going up against the Cowboys. I'm not sure the a start for Slayton, even with more targets against the Cowboys. I'm not sure that's the the the, the game I might want to be starting Slayton, especially with like a, only a couple more weeks from the most part uh, before playoffs start. Yeah, and and Wandale Robinson had nine catches for a hundred yards before he got hurt. Like it, he was just starting to come into his own. Um, Slayton, I th- I still think because listen, we just saw what the what the the Cowboys just did to the Vikings, a high powered Vikings offense. 
they they shut them down completely. Dare I say that this also could be a letdown game for them for those same Cowboys? I just I think I I'm still comfortable with Darius Slayton in a flex spot. Okay. Because I, I think there's some potential there. Like at this point, the next two guys behind him are Richie James Jr. and and can I interest you in a Kenny Galladay? Like Ugh. that's that's where we're at with the Giants receiver core. So I mean maybe they have some some uh, a newcomer on the way because as far as we've heard, reports are that Odell Beckham Jr. Ha- will visit the New York Football Giants. I'm stunned to say I said it as a joke the other day, and it's actually potentially coming true. But until that point, Darius Slayton is the guy. So I- I'm. Daniel Jones is going to have to throw the ball. We know that Dallas's offense is really good. They're really firing on all cylinders right now. Dak is back. He's healthy and it's, and the offense is working. Having said that it's still going to be a tough game, but I do like Darius Layton in at least a flex spot and maybe like a mid range to back end wide receiver three. Uh, before we go Patriots Vikings, that's the last one here. And that's the final game of the Thanksgiving slate. Vikings getting absolutely trashed by the Dallas Cowboys and the Patriots winning on a walk-off, well, maybe not walk-off, but a game-winning in the end, a punt return touchdown by Marcus Jones, the rookie defensive back, a corner. And it was, a, I mean, it was pretty much the worst game of all time until it was not, <laughs> pretty much. A, and I think, ultimately, Patriots can't put up three points and hope to win against the Vikings. And, well, the Vikings can't put up three points and hopes to win against the Patriots because that's exactly how many points they scored against the Cowboys last week. So I, I wonder what is the which side gives here. On the Patriots side, again, like we all like, it's pretty much a short, short conversation. Most weeks, Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the guy. And I said this to you on Sunday, that after Jacoby Myers, the next guy who might catch the most passes is Ramondre Stevenson, and that is exactly what happened. He's working, worked into the short passing game as a receiving back quite, in a, in a pretty nice way, I would say, quite uh, quite well. So I would I would think Stevenson's the guy, but apart from Cousins, Jefferson, and I guess TJ Hawkinson and Dalvin Cook at this point, like, I, I, like again, are you starting Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, on too many different weeks? Probably not, right? I guess, I suppose the only question mark with the Vikings is, is that turf toe going to continually hamper Justin Jefferson? And if it does, who do those targets go to? Is it Thielen? Is it Hawkinson? Do they just run the ball more with Dalvin Cook? That's entirely possible. I'm curious where you fall on that, Matt. Well, apparently they're going to TJ Hawkinson because he had nine. And Justin Jefferson had five. And I know they blanketed Justin Jefferson pretty well. But after that, Thielen, three targets. Uh, Osborne, three targets. Both of those guys, like Adam Thielen, is unplayable at this point. And you weren't playing K.J. Osborne anyway. But the one thing that I will say is if that turf toe does end up hampering him even more, then I think we can have a conversation about Adam Thielen. Because they can't throw 17 times to T.J. Hawkinson. Adam Thielen, I don't know if he's... Kirk Cousin does look a lot at Justin Jefferson, and for good reason. But it just does feel like Adam Thielen is so far down the pecking order right now that you can't play him. But again, if there's an injury, then Adam Thielen is probably the guy that's going to walk into those targets. Now, for <laughs> this was this was one of my favorite stat lines of the weekend. Uh, Tony Pollard had six catches for 109 yards, two touchdowns. He also added 15 carries for 80 yards against the Vikings. 
I like Tony Pollard. But, man, if Tony Pollard's putting up 189 total yards, I really like Ramondre Stevenson's chances of having a really good game. Now, that with that being said, um, I also like Damian Harris in this matchup. Damian Harris also had a good week, and I know that they had to run the ball a lot because, and we talked about it, like the weather was absolutely horrible in that game, and it was just the wind that was so bad. But Damian Harris still managed eight carries for 65 yards. He also had two catches for 28 yards. So Damian Harris had over 80 total yards. It's still Ramondre Stevenson's backfield. Like he out he out uh, touched him 21 to 10. But 10 touches for Damian Harris in this game might not be such a bad thing. So I think I like both of them. I like Harris more as a flex, but Ramondre Stevenson does feel like we're, we're, we've seen the breakout, but this could be a big game for him because I don't see a situation where Mac Jones is throwing for 276 yards like, Kirk, uh, like uh, Dak Prescott did against the Vikings D. The other thing is, the Cowboys ran for 151 yards. Whew. So, and what do the Patriots do really well? They run the ball. Better than the Dallas Cowboys do, I would argue. So, I, I think I like both of those guys, and I like Jacoby Myers in this matchup. I'm not really sold on anybody else, as you could probably tell. Just watch the uh, watch the health. If you are starting any Patriots running backs, meaning Stevenson or Harris, just watch the health of some of their offensive tackles. Uh, namely David Andrews, who I believe is their center. And yeah, Andrews, it looks like he's done for the year. Yeah, yeah. He had to be helped off the field. He limped off the field. So that's a huge loss for a team that runs the football very, very well and very often, right? So I, I don't think, like, if he's gone, they're going to put someone else into the center position, and they're probably still going to run the ball because I can't imagine putting a new center in there is going to be the time to, on a short week, no less, is going to be the time to suddenly be chucking the ball all over the field, but especially Lots against the Lots of Vikings. dump-offs. Lots yeah, of dump yeah. offs for Ramondre Stevenson in yeah. this one. How many I, targets? I'm I'm gonna look up how many targets he had here. This is this is great great uh, radio. He had so he caught all six of his targets for 56 yards, there and he go. did lead the the team in in receiving yards. So uh, not a good day on the ground though. 15 carries for 26 yards, but he still got it done through the air. Yeah, look, I will say this: the Jets have a legitimately good defense. They have actually a legitimately good team. It's just they don't have a very good quarterback. Um, I don't know what the odds are. If you had said, like, even just a couple of weeks ago, if you had said that the odds that Bears at Jets in Week 12 would have neither Justin Fields or Zach Wilson starting, that would have been, like, almost an absurd thing to say given where we were in the season. But there's, like, a pretty high chance that neither of them start that game on Sunday. So I I will say this, Matt, at the very least, for my Garrett Wilson shares, um, yes, please. Yes, please. Make that QB change as much as soon as humanly possible. I do love how Zach Wilson took absolutely no responsibility for oh that my game. Goodness. He's yeah. horrible. Yeah, he's he is the attitude clearly is a problem, and I I don't think the Jets can shy away from it because I mean I, I like to I like to talk about Jimmy G being like the the one year band aid for anyone's like QB woes. I said that about the Falcons. Ooh man, imagine Jimmy G playing for the Jets this year. They'd probably be like one of the best teams in the NFL. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, and he and and honestly, show the the bar. Like Joe Flacco has more touchdown passes yeah. in three weeks than Zach Wilson has in seven. Man, I just I know I can't I can't believe I would ever say this in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two. But I Joe Flacco, give me some elite Joe Flacco because I all I know is that guy pumps the tires of Garrett Wilson like no other human on earth. 
So uh, as someone who would love to have essentially like a locked-in WR2 for the rest of the season, um, yes, give me a QB change for the sake of <laughs> Garrett Wilson. Um, and the yeah, Jets are in a playoff race. Like, that's the other thing that we're – that is – like, it's not just, hey, we want to get Zach Wilson reps. Like, they want to make the playoffs. But my thing is, is if Joe Flacco – was the next guy in line then why has mike white been dressing as the qb2 it probably will be mike white like if they make a qb change oh, i bet God. it will be mike white but oh I, I, I don't God. know what that Could entails but i boy it can't it can't be worse than than three no. points in zach from zach wilson it, honestly it just can't be at this point like what do they have to lose they're not gonna like they they miss out on a playoff spot by a game and then they draft a better quarterback or sign a better quarterback and that's it like I guess I guess that's what it is, but boy, it's been a. I I almost almost feel bad for Jets fans, but uh, uh, not quite. Not not not. Can you quite imagine there they yet. miss on another number two quarterback? <laughs> oh man! Like after the Sam Darnold experience. Like All I know is out on what, what this has taught me, Matt, is that uh, Wilson will be released. He'll get into a fight with someone. He'll kick around the the league for a couple of years, and then he'll eventually land in Seattle and play really really well. That's what's yeah, probably happen. you're probably yeah. right. You're yeah. probably right. Uh, that's Matt Marchese. I'm Show Ali. You've been listening to this podcast-only edition of the Fantasy Show. Um, we're out of here for now, but uh, you obviously obviously can shoot us a Twitter message on the Twitter machine at SNS Alley with two L's at MattyMar89 at the Fantasy Show, and of course your text messages every Sunday morning from eight to ten a.m. Eastern across the Sportsnet Radio Network. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you later. As an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you, do you feel like you let the defense down at all? No. No.